Hey, you guys, Sarah Beth here. I'm so excited that you're listening to this week's Young Adult Podcast. We're going to talk about how to develop a prophetic history with God. So we're going to break it down. We're going to look at the definition for prophecy. We're going to talk about Old Testament prophecy versus New Testament prophecy. And then we're going to see how you can develop your own prophetic history with the Lord. You can hear his voice for yourself. You can hear his voice for other people. His voice is the most amazing thing you'll ever hear in your life. So enjoy this podcast. I'm excited to talk about prophecy. Thanks, guys. You know how to make a girl feel loved. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. You know, I really felt during worship that the Lord had some words that um, he wanted to give out before we go into the message. I'm going to talk about how to develop a prophetic history with God, but I want to build our faith a little first. Is that okay? <clears throat> okay. Um, I, want, I would love for there to be a pad on. Um, so if we could do that in the next couple minutes, that'd be amazing, but we'll go ahead and get started. Let's pray real fast again. I, I need to pray a lot. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for your voice. Thank you for your voice. Thank you that your voice satisfies the deepest longing any human heart could ever have. Thank you, Jesus, that you know us. You know every hair on our head. You know our names. You know what it took to get here tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak right now that any doubt or religion would just melt away in the fire and the flame of your voice, Lord. Will you guys just lightly pray in the spirit? I just feel like we are like pulling on heaven for this because we're nothing without him, you know? Thank you, Lord. You guys can keep praying. I'm just gonna call out a couple names. The first one I heard was, um, is there an Ashley in here? If you are here, will you lift your hand? And if not, it's cool, we'll keep going. Ashley, anybody know? No Ashley, okay, maybe she's coming tomorrow. Keep the word. Um, actually, heard the Lord speak really clearly over you, Aaron. Um, I would say we're acquaintances, but we don't know each other super well, so let's see what God does. Um, will you stand? So during worship, I, um, I saw the Lord come over and put like a cloak on you, and I felt like he w the cloak had a name, and it was Pursuer. And I felt like you've been in a season where Jesus has really been pursuing you in the secret place, like like a bridal season, <laughs> you know? Even though you're a guy, we are the bride of Christ, and I just felt like he had had you in a season of um, pursuing you, and I feel like he's been teaching you how to pursue in a way that like a father or a man really never taught you. And, um, and I just see, I saw him like teaching you exactly how to pursue, and, and I felt like he said, son, when the time comes for you to pursue a woman, you are ready, like you're ready. And I'm not giving you a word about when you're going to meet your wife because I don't mess with that. But when the time comes, I feel like I heard him say so clearly, when the time comes, you're ready because you've let me pursue you. And I just feel like I see him coming to pursue you even now. I just thank you, Jesus, for Aaron, Lord. I thank you for the season that you've had him in. Thank you that you are the great pursuer. And that you're saying over him that when the season comes, when the time comes, you're ready. And I felt like you said you'll pursue her rightly and that you don't have to worry about doing it wrong, that you'll pursue like he has pursued you and it'll be effortless. And so we just bless Aaron, Lord. We bless his future family. We bless the season that he's in. I thank you, Lord, that he is going to pursue rightly, that there's no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. Um, and then I just saw the Lord say, you have a real purity of heart. And I heard the verse in Matthew that um, one of the Beatitudes is the pure in heart shall see God. 
And Jesus is literally teaching that to people on a mountain, but I saw him standing in front of you putting the cloak that said pursuer on it, and he's like putting his hands on you. He's like, son, your heart is pure, and you see me, and you will see me. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for the purity in Aaron's heart. Um, and then I saw one more thing. I saw you going to be with your family during the holidays and ministering to them uh, and preaching the gospel to like your extended family that some of them like don't know the Lord. I felt like I specifically saw an uncle. Um, and in, way, in places where it's felt hard in past holidays, I just see it being effortless. Like the same way you are at Braveheart is how you're gonna be at home. And you're just, it's just gonna be flowing out of you. It's not gonna be hard. And so I just bless you to preach the gospel to your family. Jesus' name. <laughs> Did that resonate with you? Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Oh, shoot. Oh, actually, yes, this is being recorded. <laughs> um, thank you, Lord. I'm gonna call out a few more names in. And then uh, we'll get started. Um, is there an Eric somewhere? Did someone say yes? He left? No. Wait, where? Oh, hi. Okay, will you stand? I feel like the word I had wasn't for you, but we're going to prophesy over you. <laughs> uh, Will you guys extend your hand to Eric? Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Eric, I, I just see the Lord anointing you with new levels of creativity. And I feel specifically like business. Are you in business? No, do you have a heart to be in business? Or is that kind of out of left field? Okay. Well, let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for Eric. I thank you, God, for the way that you've made his mind, that he has a sharp mind, Lord, and a mind that is creative. I just feel like I hear the Lord saying that over you. I see him with like a paint bucket, and he's like spilling all these different colors all over you. And I just see him dancing around you and celebrating your creativity. So if there's ever been a time where you've doubted that you're creative, you are. He made you creative. And I thank you, Lord, for the plans and the purposes that you have for Eric's life. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just feel like I hear the Lord saying you're gonna experience him tonight in ways that you haven't before, and some of it may be a little strange to you, but it's okay just to sit and receive his love. So I thank you, Lord, for the love that you're pouring out on Eric tonight. And we just say, pour it out, Lord. Pour out your love. Pour out your spirit. I just see a picture of like a little boy learning to walk to his father and kind of like stumbling at times, but the father's like, this is the best thing ever. So I thank you, Jesus, that Eric is your son in whom you're well pleased. Thank you for touching him tonight, Lord. Hmm. Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Eric. Okay, I have a couple more. <sighs> Is there someone from another nation here? Anybody? Like that traveled to be here? Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Did anyone travel to be here from another nation? Okay, if it's, let's see. Let me see the word again. Yeah, you guys can all stand up if you traveled from another nation. Yeah, stand up. Okay, where are you from right here in the back? What? Ireland? Cool. I love Ireland. That's so cool. And then right here in the front, where did you say? Ecuador. Ecuador. Wow. And then what about you guys? Germany. That is so awesome. As I was worshiping, I saw someone from another nation, but there's four of you, which is amazing. Um, and I just felt like the Lord wanted to say to all of you that he sees you. Oh, there's another one. Where are you from? Mexico. Oh, that's awesome. Welcome. So everyone extend your hand if you see someone standing around you. Um, but I just felt like the Lord wanted all of you guys to know that he sees where you came from. And he was like, wow, they came from a far way. Like he, it moved his heart. And um, I just feel like he has something for each of you tonight. And I felt like I saw y'all's ears burning with his voice. 
because you traveled a really far distance and there was a cost to you coming and he sees that and it moves, it moves his heart. It's like oil being poured out at his feet. And so I just declare ears open, God, that their ears would burn with your voice tonight. And I feel like there's specific stuff that you're gonna receive tonight and you're gonna take back to your people, to your country. And so we just thank you, Lord, for these brothers and sisters and we declare open ears to hear you tonight, Lord. We declare an impartation of the prophetic over each of them that they would bring back to their people, Lord, that they would bring back as ministers of your gospel. I bless them, Jesus. Amen. See, I think I had one more. Okay, yeah, I have one more. Is there an Erica? Yay, you're here. Will you stand up? Hi. (laughs) Okay, I saw you with a chef's hat on and you were like cooking. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, what do you cook? Or obviously everyone cooks, but. Aw. You're a nutritionist? Aw. Oh. I love that. Yes. Okay, so I saw you with a chef's hat. It's beautiful. Um, I felt like the Lord said he's anointing you to gather people and to cook for them. And uh, I saw you like Martha, which a lot of times Martha gets a bad rap, but I think she's awesome because she cooked for Jesus. Like, that's pretty cool. And so I saw you in your home, like a homemaker, um, cooking like Martha did. And I felt like the Lord said you have a heart to host his presence. And so, like... Your, your cooking and your hosting and your gathering is actually you inviting him into your home and hosting his presence for other people. Um, and I feel like he said, I see your heart to host me. And then he anointed you with the skill to cook because <laughs> you're like, I don't know if I could do this. And I get it, I get it. Um, and I felt like he said that at one time, you thought you knew what you wanted to do with your life, like even what to study in school, but he's inviting you on into a faith adventure and it's like, oh wait, I'm not actually gonna do that major or whatever it is, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna respond to what you're saying. Um, and it may not look like you taking the adult step. Like even your family might be like, shouldn't you like get a real job or shouldn't you go to like get your master's or whatever the world may say. But I feel like the Lord is inviting you on a faith adventure with him. And it could be misunderstood, but the Lord's saying it's me and that you're going the right way and that he would be your cloud by day and your fire by night, which just means he'll lead you in the day and he'll lead you in the night. So will you guys extend your hand? We're gonna bless Erica. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you know Erica. You know everything about her, Lord. How precious that her dad is a chef. And so I just thank you, Jesus, for her life. I thank you that you're anointing her tonight. You're anointing her. I just see him pouring out oil over you, Erica. Like you're gonna have oil to give to the Lord, to pour out at his feet. As a wife, when you're at your house cleaning and cooking and I just feel like he's saying the dreams in your heart, they're not dead. They just need to be like buried in the soil at your home, being a wife, and then one day they will happen. And it's gonna be in his perfect timing and his perfect will. But everything you're doing right now as a wife, cooking, whatever else you do at home, it's pleasing him and it's exactly where he wants you right now. It's exact, it's almost like, it sounds funny, but it's almost like your job right now. It's like the Lord's like, this is where I have you and I'm gonna provide. I'm gonna provide for you and your husband and I'm gonna make a way for you to be with me at home. And I feel like you're in a season of just being with the Lord at home. So I thank you, Jesus, for Erica. Thank you for her life. Thank you that you know every hair on her head. You know when she rises, when she lies down. And I bless her to encounter you even more tonight, Lord. Let this be a sign and a wonder to her tonight, Lord, that you're real. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, bless you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow, I love his voice. That's exactly what we're gonna talk about tonight. (laughs) You guys can turn the pad off whenever. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Um, so I want to talk to you guys tonight about how to develop a prophetic history with God. Um, because that is what has anchored me to him, to my family, to my husband. It's what has kept me when times have gotten hard. It's his voice. So I want to unpack that because I know that we can use churchy language sometimes and it's like, oh, just develop a prophetic history. And some of you are like, what does that even mean? So we're going to talk about it. Um, so you know how Miller has been speaking about tongues? Has anybody listened to those sermons? If you have not listened to those, please do. I, this week, I like had a, just a rough day where I felt really anxious. There was probably like lots of warfare going on. I don't even know, but I just felt bad. And I, Aaron encouraged me. He was like, get up every morning and just do five minutes of praying in the spirit. And seriously, it has like saved me this week. And it's built my inner man up. It's built my spirit woman up. And now I'm standing here tonight because of that. I promise you. <laughs> I didn't have any more English. I was like, that's just not going to cut it. It's going to be filled with anxiety and fear and crap. <laughs> so go listen to those and pray in the spirit. And if you don't pray in the spirit, it's okay. I know it's gotten like a really bad rap and it can seem weird. I grew up Baptist, so I get it. I'm super thankful for the Baptist people, for the word of God. Um, but I grew up thinking that tongues was like, I, don't, I had a lot of judgment in my heart towards that. And I didn't even know what it was. No one even ever told me about it. So if you feel that way tonight, it's okay. Don't feel shame. Just ask Jesus. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I'll triple dog dare you to ask Jesus to baptize you with fire and see if you can walk out of here because you probably won't be able to. <laughs> So go listen to those. Um, but he's been talking about tongues, but I wanted to take it a step further tonight, and I want to talk about prophecy. I want to talk about how to develop a prophetic history with the Lord. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 14, 4 through 5. I think you guys have that. If not, I'm a quick flipper, so it's okay. Ah, okay. So it, it, this is Paul speaking. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. Oh, can you go back? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so that the church may be built up. Um, so what I'm talking about tonight is the gift of prophecy. And I want you to know there's a difference between the gift of prophecy that's being given to all believers through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, okay? There's a difference between that and the office of a prophet. I'm not talking about like, someone who's foretelling future events and like the office of a prophet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not gonna go into that because that's a whole rabbit trail. But Chris Valatin from Bethel has a really good podcast on what the office of a prophet is. Um, but I'm talking about the gift of prophecy that's available to every believer. And it's how we hear the Lord and how we share his voice with others. Does that make sense? So if you're like, oh man, this is intimidating. It's really not. It's just that God loves to speak to his people. I think it's really amazing that one who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, which we've been learning about through Miller, but the one who prophesies edifies the whole church. So it's like, it's, the Lord has given us a gift that edifies ourselves. that's amazing, but then he's also given us a gift that edifies us and everyone else around us. Because the church is the bride of Christ and we're one in him and he's the head. Right? And so we have this beautiful gift of hearing his voice that edifies all of us. So here's a disclaimer. If you've ever <clears throat> gotten a prophetic word that wasn't edifying, strengthening, encouraging, comforting, you can like throw it away. I've gotten a fair share of those and they feel slimy and gross and God bless the people who gave them to you and me, but don't receive that. And even if, you, if someone's talking to you and telling you something that you know is not encouraging, you can say, you can be bold and you can say, I actually don't receive that. I know that's so awkward, but I've had to do that. Like people have tried to give me weird words about Rosie leaving our family. It's just like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't even know what that means. She's one and a half. Like, please, no. And you just be bold and you be kind, but you be stern and send it away because it's just not cool. <laughs> Uh, so if you're giving a prophetic word, make sure it's edifying. Make sure it's encouraging. Like the Lord would never give someone a word that's like, hey, you in the back, you're looking at pornography. Like that is not a prophetic word. 
at all. It's not encouraging, it's not edifying. What he would say is, hey, you in the back, you have a heart of purity, and the pure in heart will see God. You know, it's calling things as though they're, that are not as though they are. So if you've ever been called out on sin, I wanna repent to you on behalf of someone who walks in the prophetic because we're all learning and we're all growing and there's grace and forgiveness, but let's be better. <laughs> let's encourage each other. Um, so I wanna define prophecy. I'm a very practical person. I have lots of notes for you tonight. So get out your phone or your notebook and let's rock and roll. Um, so the Greek word for prophecy is prophetia. I'm not a Greek scholar, so don't judge. <clears throat> and it breaks down to two words. The first one is pro, which means forth. And the second is femi, which means to speak. So prophecy is to speak forth. Now, who's the first person to speak anything forth? Right, he said, let there be, and there was light. So he speaks first, and then we speak on behalf of him. Don't ever forget, he speaks first. Not you, not me. God help us. So that's prophecy. And then um, as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, what is a prophet? Like, how would you define a prophet, right? I would say a prophet is one who recognizes the heart of God in a situation and then expresses that to others. So it's not someone who knows someone's secrets. Although in the Bible, it does say the secrets of a man's heart will be exposed, right? But it's not in a bad way because the Lord is loving and kind. Um, but it's his heart, it expresses his heart. And his heart is full of love, so prophecy should always be full of love. Prophecy strengthens, encourages, and comforts the individual. And I wanted to read two quotes, I think you guys have them. The first one is from John Wimber. I love what he defined prophecy as. You don't have the quotes, cool, cool, cool. I'll read it. Here we go. John Wimber, I don't know a ton about him, but I know he's a father in the faith. So he said, prophecy is declaring the message of God to his church for the purpose of edification. It's not a skill, aptitude, or talent. <laughs> it's the actual speaking forth of words given by the Spirit in a particular situation, and it ceases when the words given by the Spirit cease. Meaning, when the Holy Spirit stops speaking, you stop speaking. I have literally been in a crowd of like a thousand people with brighter lights than these and the Lord was like, stop. Because I was giving someone a word and then the Lord was like, okay, this is you now, this is not me. And so I just stopped and it was silent and I'm looking at Aaron like, <laughs> help me. But I wanna, I wanna follow his voice and when he stopped speaking, I stopped speaking and sure enough, that guy in the back, literally like 10 seconds into me being silent, starts getting wrecked and he's like bawling his eyes out and the Lord was touching him without me doing anything. So when you wanna fill space, I get it. I probably did it a little tonight, who knows? But like when you wanna fill space, I just encourage you to be super sensitive to his voice because we could, without meaning to, get in the way. And I've experienced it firsthand. Um, the next quote is by Derek Prince. And he says, the gift of prophecy is the supernaturally imparted ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and speak God's mind or counsel. Prophecy ministers not only to the assembled group of believers, but also to individuals. I love that. It's a supernatural impartation. Sometimes um, when I'm prophesying over people, this happened, I think like four or five years ago, it was a while in Ohio, we were at Bethel, Cleveland, and um, we had just been to the call in Cleveland, and then we went to the little like Bethel campus that's out there, and the prophetic was so thick, I think it was at the end of a sermon, I don't know, it was like when the Holy Spirit broke out at Upper Room in 2017, was anybody here for that? Woo, yeah. So we had just like come off the plane like drenched in that. And so when we all walked in the room and God came, everyone was just immediately on the floor. And honestly, I have not experienced anything like that to this day. It was very, very special. But I say that to say that at the end of the sermon, I was like, there was like a line like this on the front row and I walked past it and I felt myself walk into this thick cloud 
like a good one, not a bad one. And I was like, Lord, what is that? And he's like, you just walked into the prophetic and it has absolutely nothing to do with you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then literally we gave people crazy accurate words, but it was, it was like we stepped into the river. We stepped into the cloud that the Lord had put there and it wasn't us, it was his voice. And I know that sounds so elementary, but I think we can forget. I forget and I put pressure on myself. Like Aaron was like, do you have any words? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, what's God saying? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, yes, you do. Listen, you know? So it doesn't have much, anything to do with us. It's his voice. And if we're sensitive and if we become vessels of his voice, the world changes. People change. I mean, I'll never forget the girl laying on the ground and I heard a name and it was her dad's name that had just died a week ago. I mean, only God, ooh, I have chills. Only God knows that. It's a cloud. It's a river that we step into. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about prophecy in the Old Testament versus the New Testament because there's, there's, a, there's differences and there's similarities. So prophecy in the Old Testament started with Moses and it ended with John the Baptist. Um, and as I was researching this, in the Old Testament, there was very little room for error with prophecy because it was the only way that God's people heard his voice. When he would anoint a prophet with the Holy Spirit, they would go and they would speak the very scripture that God gave them to the people. And when they were done speaking, everyone was like, all right, we're done. Like, there's no more voice to hear. There's no more, it was gone, right? Until he came back and anointed him again. So there was little room for error. They would speak the very oracles of God. That's what it says in Hebrews 1. But they still prophesied the heart cry of God. Because how many of you know that the scripture is the heart cry of God, right? So they were prophesying the heart cry of God. I found this really cool verse. It's Numbers eleven twenty nine. Will you guys put that up there? Oh, right there. Okay. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? My ver or another version says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. And I had never seen that before and I felt like I heard the Lord say as I was preparing for tonight, guess what? I was like, what, Lord? <laughs> it's a really cool thing to hear from God because it's like, what's following that? He said, Moses' wish came true. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Moses' wish came true. He probably didn't even know he was wishing for something that day. He's, he's probably annoyed. Like, would that all the Lord's people be prophets so it doesn't just have to be me, right? He's probably like really in his flesh. But that's actually a really profound scripture because it's prophesying what would come. Because then in Joel 2, God promises through the prophet Joel that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and that sons and daughters would prophesy. So Moses' wish came true. So that's Old Testament prophecy, now New Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy starts with Pentecost and it's still alive today, amen? <laughs> I didn't know that till I was about 19, but that's okay, because there's no time wasted. So, um, New Testament prophecy is really cool because when the church was birthed in Acts 2, she was a prophetic people from the very beginning. Like, literally when the Holy Spirit poured out, tongues of fire came, but then they all started prophesying immediately. They were like, this is the heart cry of God and I can hear it and I'm gonna say it. And it says that some of them were speaking, uh, preaching the gospel in, in tongues that other people understood. So they're prophesying immediately. So I would define a prophetic history with the Lord as this, okay? It's a life of being led by his voice to discover his heart and purposes for your life. So we define prophecy, what's a prophet, what is the gift of prophecy, but I'm here tonight to tell you that God wants to develop a prophetic storyline with you. And it's to hear his voice for your life be led by it and discover his heart and purposes for your life. How many of you wanna know God's heart and purposes for your life? Amen. Well, I'm here to tell you he speaks and he speaks clearly. So why would we do that? If you're asking me why would I do that or what does that mean? I would say that when we hit rough places or tight spaces, it gives us something to fight with. 
It gives us an anchor for our souls, his voice. Oh God, you said this. You gave this person a picture of me doing this. You spoke this over me when I was a, a child. And then you're like, okay, I can fight with that because things feel really hard right now and I don't know how I'm gonna make it, but I know you said that. And that's actually in the Bible. We're gonna look at it. It's 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. You guys put that up there. <clears throat> and this is Paul speaking to Timothy. So Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. So this is like if your spiritual mother or father were giving you an encouraging word or a charge, right? Okay, so Paul says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare or fight the good fight, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Guys, we just got a blueprint for our life. <laughs> okay, we're gonna unpack this. Whew, it's good, guys. So we know that from this verse, there were prophecies or words from the Lord over Timothy's life, right? Paul's like, remember the prophecies that were made about you. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what those were. I would, have loved, I would love to have known like what those were, you know? And to me, it sounds like Paul's telling this to Timothy because Timothy has probably hit a rough place. Well, what does a rough place look like? Maybe he's like, man, I don't know if I'm called to be a leader or I don't know if God really said to go to that land and preach the gospel or I don't really know if I wanna follow Jesus because all of his disciples are getting killed. I mean, that's real life. <laughs> so he's probably in a really hard spot and Paul's like, remember the prophecies that were made about you so that you could what? Fight. It's like a sword. God's word over your life is like a sword that you fight with when things get hard. And then he gives them an example of two guys who at one time were following God. At one time, they had words spoken over their lives. Can you go back one verse? So he says, hold faith in a good conscience. So, so these two guys rejected the words that God had spoken over their lives. And what did it do? It made a shipwreck of their faith. Why? Because they sinned? I mean, yes, it was a sin, but it's like, no, it's literally because they didn't remember or have faith in what God spoke over their lives. They forgot. And they probably said something contradictory to it because in, in my Bible, there's a footnote to Acts. Write this down. There's a footnote to Acts 13.45. Um, when it says they rejected what was, what was spoken about them. And I'm just gonna read that real fast because this, this really brought it to life for me. Acts 13, 45 says, <clears throat> but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul. So what did these two guys, Hymenaeus and what's his name, Alexander, what did they do? They contradicted the words that God had spoken about them. And it made a shipwreck of their faith. And not only that, Paul says, which I don't really understand, but he says, whom I have handed over, I handed them over to Satan so that they would learn not to blaspheme. So remember in the Bible where it says, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit? What that means is do not contradict what he's saying. Don't forget the words that God has spoken over your life. And if you don't feel like you have a word that God's spoken over your life, you're gonna get one tonight. And then you can use it to fight. Whew. Is this making sense? Lord, help us keep with the words that have been spoken about us. Thank you for your precious voice. Lord, we repent for where we haven't believed what you've said. I feel like the Lord has said some really crazy things to some of you. And there's no shame in doubting or contradicting. And contradicting could be as simple as he said something. Okay, uh, he said, you're not gonna lack. And you go up to someone and you're like, I have nothing right now. And I'm not gonna have anything tomorrow because it's not in my bank account. <laughs> That's actually blaspheme because it contradicted what he said. And it's okay. <laughs> Last night, Aaron was like, I'm sorry, Lord, <laughs> when I was talking to him. <laughs> we've all done it, we've all done it. 
But there's, <laughs> there's an invitation to just repent. And what does repent mean? It just means turn the other way. So if you were like, I have nothing. Lord, thank you that you're my provider and you said that I would lack nothing. There was a season in Aaron and I's life where the numbers did not add up in our bank account because the Lord had said to me to not have a job the first six months of our marriage and to stay home and to encounter him. And I was like, wow, that sounds like everyone else had upper room, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oops, I went there. And I was so nervous that I would be like lazy and that I'd be that person that's just in the prayer room like, no job. And I was so embarrassed by that. But I promise you, I have a college degree and I could not get a job anywhere because God kept slamming the doors shut. And now I look back on that season and it was the most precious time. It was so precious. And the numbers didn't add up, but God provided. Little by little, and then a lot, and then a lot more, and then we'd be like, oh shoot, and then it would happen again. He provided. Sorry if I offended anyone. It's real. You guys doing okay? So when I was studying this, I was like awestruck by how many prophetic words Jesus had over his life. Because in Hebrews it says, we do not have a great, great high priest that's unable to sympathize, but he was tempted in every way. So any situation you're in tonight, he has been there. And I was just getting wrecked by all these prophetic words that Jesus had. And I guarantee you that during the 33 years of his life, so these words that were spoken, a lot of them are in Isaiah. We're gonna put some up on the screen in a second. But these words that were spoken about him were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before he was on earth. And he had scrolls, I think, that he could go back and read when times got hard. When he was like, oh, I don't know if I wanna give my life for the sins of the world. There was like tangible words of God of the Father, who he came from and who he went back to. He knew where he came from and where he was going back. And he took the words that God the Father had spoken about him and he fought with them. So I bet you that during his 33 years, he went back and he held fast to those words. There's a really striking scripture in John 13 verse, I mean, yeah, John 13 verse three. This is right before Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And then he gets betrayed, and then he goes to the cross. And this is what it says. John 13, three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. How did he know that? A prophetic word. God's voice. He was fully man and fully God. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. That right there, stop right there. For a man who's about to be betrayed by one of his best friends, one of his disciples that he chose to follow him, and then is gonna go to the cross, for him to rise up from supper and go wash someone's feet is profound. But why could he do it? Because he was clinging to the fact that he knew where he had come from and where he was going. How could, how could someone who's about to be betrayed and crucified wash someone's feet? Because they were cling, he was clinging to the words of the Father. Can you guys put up that list of all the prophecies made about Jesus? So I just went and studied some of these and I just want you guys to take a picture of them. These are some of the prophetic words, not all of them, but some of them over Jesus' life and then we have the, or the prophecy and the fulfillment. Um, so number one, he knew his ministry would be in Galilee. Jesus literally knew where his ministry would begin because of a prophetic word. Because it said in Isaiah 9 verse one, that he would honor Galilee and all the nations. You can go read it, it talks about how it start, his ministry starts in Galilee and then Matthew 4, 12 is the fulfillment. Two, he knew he would have a miraculous ministry. So when he was mocked by others or he was a boy and just doing what teenage boys do, just trying to make it in life, he knew he would have a miraculous ministry even though he felt awkward in the moment, 
or whatever, you know? He's like, he knew because he had words to fight with. And those are the scriptures for it. He knew he would be despised and rejected. He knew he would die, but then be resurrected. He knew they would pierce his hands and feet. So when he went to the cross, he knew that he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquity. He knew that they would cast lots for his clothing. He knew he would be quiet before his accusers. He knew he'd be mocked and abused. He knew he would return to the Father and then pour out his spirit. So these are just a few of the prophetic words over Jesus' life that helped him fight when things got hard. And that sounds so watered down when things got hard. I mean, he had the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. And he fought with prophetic words. So how much more should we? Right? He's our great high priest. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the beautiful example of how to fight of remembering the words that the Father has spoken. Thank you. I thought it was really beautiful too that Jesus fulfilled all the prophetic words spoken about him. He fulfilled every single one, but he didn't do it by his own strength. (laughs) It's not by might or by strength, it's by the Spirit. And we have him as our example. There's 22 places in Matthew where it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. He fulfilled every word that was spoken over his life. And I just started dreaming and I'm like, Lord, by your grace and by your spirit, what if at the end of my life, I was able to, through you, fulfill every word you had spoken over my life? What if that was said about me, but you got the glory? You got the reward of your suffering. Not only that, but Jesus is, the testimony of Jesus is the very spirit of prophecy. So when you wake up in the morning with your cup of coffee and your journal and you're reading the stories of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is His voice is hovering, ready to speak. It's the most precious thing you'll ever hear. feels like a good time to talk about how the Lord has touched my life with prophetic words. I'm gonna be a blubbering mess, so please bear with me. I just had a baby six weeks ago, so I'm just trying to make it. (laughs) So uh, my prophetic history with God, it started when I was a little girl. When I was about seven years old, the Lord woke my grandpa up. He's a first-generation Messianic Jew. And uh, the Holy Spirit woke him up. He has six grandchildren. The Holy Spirit woke him up in the middle of the night with poems about each of his grandchildren. (laughs) And I don't remember when he gave me this poem. It just like was all of a sudden in my life. I think he gave it to my mom and then I was struggling in my teenage years and she's like, here, (laughs) this is what God said. (laughs) Amen for moms. I wanted to read it to you guys if that's okay. This is really precious to me. It says, Sarah Beth is like a flower whose face is always open toward the sun, S-O-N. She will be a leader among many women and she will be called blessed in her family. And even when I'm saying that, I feel his presence. If you don't have a word like that over your life, just close your eyes. Put out your hands. I just see the Holy Spirit hovering the testimony of Jesus 
is the spirit of prophecy and his voice is here. And we're not going to move on until you hear it for your own life. Something that's like a, a road map for you is the thing that you struggle with or the thing that the enemy tries to take you out with. Speak the exact opposite over yourself. And that's a prophetic word for your life. So if you're depressed, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I'm a carrier of peace. I'm going to minister to those who are heavy. Some of you are struggling with depression and anxiety and multiple personality disorders because that's the very sword that God has given you to fight and to minister to others. And some of you literally need to just stand up and go find someone to bless and you will get free. And I'm preaching to myself, guys, because there's things I struggle with and I want to get in my cave. I got in my cave on Monday or Tuesday. It was terrible. I don't recommend it. What got me out of it? Going and blessing someone else. Going and finding someone who, who was struggling with the same thing I was struggling with, and even though I didn't want to, spending time with them, talking to them, pouring into them, listening. How many of you guys heard something just now for your life? Thank you, Lord. Can someone bring me a tissue? It's vulnerable. I'm just sniffling a lot. Thank you. Excuse me. Oh gosh, I don't even know where to go, okay. So that poem was written about me when I was about seven or eight years old. And it wasn't until I was about 19 or 20 that I needed this word to fight with because things got hard. Um, when I was about 19, it was my, I played volleyball for my first year in uh, college. And I uh, went to a school called Dallas Baptist University, hey, any DBUers? <laughs> um, and I, I went to a Baptist school and I got filled with fire because of these amazing worshipers that would go to a room on Thursday nights, I'm gonna cry again, and they would worship God for two whole hours. <laughs> I was used to two fast songs and one slow song, maybe a solo. And that's great, it's beautiful, like, it's great. But I needed more. I wanted more. I was hungry for more. So I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, I, we've come such a long way, and my family's the most amazing ever. But at that time, about seven, eight years ago, they were a little concerned. Like, some of them sat me down, and they're like, what is going on? Like, anyone who adds to the Bible is going to, I don't know what that verse says in Revelation, but it was like, it was, it was just rough, okay? And I went back to the word that was spoken about me, and it said, she will be called blessed in her family. She will be called blessed. And th there were times where patriarchs in my family were saying something, and the voice of God was saying something very different, and I fought with the word that I would be blessed in my family. And that has happened. So, um, so it says, Sarah is like a flower whose face is always open toward the sun. So I went to Gateway. Anybody been to Gateway? God bless Gateway. Love them so much. They taught me so much. Um, I had cousins in my family who I always thought were just a little bit weird. Anybody have those cousins? They're probably blessings in disguise that actually, maybe they don't know the Lord, but if they do, watch out. Because if they seem a little weird, they're, they're probably filled with the Holy Spirit. Because now I'm that person that probably other people talk about, and that's fine. But I had these cousins who invited me to Gateway, and the husband, I love him so much, he like locked eyes with me at the end of the service, and he was like, you know, that like, Jesus look in someone's eyes where you're like, oh Lord, what are you about to tell me? He's like, come here. I was like, oh. and at this point, I really, I knew the Bible, I knew, I said this in a podcast that we recorded. It was like, nobody, nobody meant for this to happen, nobody taught me this with their own words, but I was like worshiping God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. 
there was no, there was no Holy Spirit actively alive speaking to me. Yes, he was leading me. Yes, he was there. But I just wasn't aware that he was so present and that he was like a consuming fire. There's so much to that that I'm not gonna go into. But he, he motioned for me to come to him. And he said these words that changed my life forever. He and his wife laid hands on me and he said, Lord, everything you've given me in the prophetic I give to Sarah Beth. And I'm like, the what? What'd you just say? I have no idea what that means. Unleash your voice and your purpose is over her. And it was like something broke. So again, if you have not had that happen to you, it's going to happen tonight. But he imparted something to me. He imparted the voice of God and the prophetic storyline that started unfolding right after that. And somewhere in that time, I, I got hold of this poem. And okay, I'm, so I said, Sarah Beth is like a flower whose face is always open toward the sun. I started seeing sunflowers everywhere. Like, have you guys ever seen things and you know it's from the Lord? But then at the same time, you're like, wait, did that license plate really just read that verse that I read this morning? I'm like, and then you feel a little crazy, but it is God because he loves to speak in crazy ways. He does, guys. I have so many stories that I don't have time to tell that are wild. But I started seeing sunflowers everywhere. And at that time, I was just like the conference junkie. I mean, I think everyone needs that season. It's amazing. Now I'm like... I could spend time with God in my closet and it's great, you know? But back then I was like, where's the conference? Where's the address? Sign me up. So I went and I volunteered at this conference in like Bedford, I don't even know. It's like when the Lord unleashes his voice and his purposes over your life, you go and find other people who are in that same place. You go to environments that are going to feed you and it's like you don't, I don't even know how someone invited me to that thing, but I was there. What is that? That is God leading me to himself. So how did I get to a conference with 300 people in Bedford? I don't, alone, I didn't even go with anybody, but I volunteered, and that's a miracle, because I'm kind of like, like I love to serve, but it wouldn't be like Sarah Beth to be like, I'm gonna go volunteer at a conference. Like it was the Lord, right? So I get there, and there's about 300 people, and the speaker, <laughs> he was so bizarre, guys. Like God loves to speak through bizarre people. And yeah, there's times where it's off and you're like, okay, no, that doesn't line, with what, line up with scripture. But this guy, you could tell he loved God and he would like laugh every two seconds. And I'm coming from like kind of a religious background. So I'm like, I am so uncomfortable, but I also really want more of the Lord, you know? Now I just laugh with him. But he prophesied at the end of his message for hours over all 300 people. And I was volunteering, so I couldn't leave. So I'm sitting in the back like, I guess I'll stay to the end and get a prophetic word. Like it's getting, it's, it's just, it took forever. But it was amazing. And I literally remember sitting there and saying, Lord, I will only believe what you say about me tonight if it has to do with a sunflower. If it's not, this is weird and I'm going back to who knows what. <laughs> but I was like threatening God, so. So I get up, I'm the last person and he puts his hands on my, on my head and he just starts laughing and I'm like, go figure. And he's like, I just see this huge sunflower. And I'm like, Wah! you know, <laughs> I'm like out for the count. <laughs> but it was a word. It was God. It was his voice. And I left that night full of the Holy Spirit and imparted with so much faith. And that has helped me to this day not shipwreck my faith because I have stories, I have history, I have a well to pull from where God said, you're like a sunflower. So when you feel depressed, like your face is toward the ground, look at me, look toward the sun and then go minister to other women. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> it's so good. Um, the other part of it said she will be a leader among many women, which if, you know me when I'm in my flesh, I don't like women's ministry. I just, it just like, I think it's, I don't know. I, just, it, yeah. I think it's because of what I saw growing up, which wasn't bad, it just, I just didn't wanna do it. It's probably some of the enemy like trying to take me out. But anyway, I just was like, I don't wanna go to Bible study, I don't wanna be in a group of girls, like I wanna play sports. And I wasn't like a tomboy, but I just, I wasn't like, 
You wouldn't find me at camp with a bunch of girls squealing because I'm so excited to worship God at youth group. That just wasn't me at all. And so when the Lord said I'd be a leader among many women, I wasn't, I was like, can we leave that part out? Because I don't really wanna do that. And I'll never forget, I was in my college townhouse at one of our worship nights, and my friend Matt Richter, he, he gave me a word, and it was, I had gotten a few prophetic words, but this was one of the first, and he said, I see a makeup bag, and I feel like God wants you to know that you're gonna beautify his kingdom through ministering to women. I hadn't told anybody that. Nobody knew that I didn't wanna do it. Nobody knew that God had put that in the poem about me. And in that moment, I got another word to put in my history, to put in my well of history with the Lord. And that was seven years ago, and I remember it clear as day. And when there's times, because there are, there was a time on Monday where I'm like, I'm not doing this, I'm not going to speak, I'm not leading, I'm not doing anything. Like, make me, Lord, I'm not doing it. I remembered these words that he spoke about me. Do I feel it in the moment? No. Do I feel it after I pray in tongues for 30 minutes? Maybe, maybe not. But I have these words to fight with. Am I doing okay? When do I need to be done? On time, I meant, not in my, okay. Oh, Holy Spirit, lead us with your voice. I'm gonna tell just a couple more stories and then we're gonna activate. I'm gonna give you some practicals for how to develop a prophetic history with the Lord and then we're gonna activate and we're gonna impart. Does that sound good? Okay. So present day, um, we did not find out either gender of either of our babies. This is beautiful little shepherd, handsome, excuse me, not used to having a boy yet. (laughs) <laughs> but we, did he smile? Oh my gosh. We, um, we didn't find out their genders. Um, and it's totally cool if you want to find out your baby's gender. Like, I'm not, do, what, do you. But I would challenge you not to for at least one of them. Because it forces you, this is how Aaron said it. It forces you to, to find yourself in a prophetic storyline with the Lord. Because for both of our kids, he spoke loud and clear. And not only that, but he was the only voice that spoke over them. We knew the names that we had, but we didn't talk about them. We didn't tell the names because we didn't even know the gender. So the father was the only one who was speaking those nine months to Shepard and Rosie about who they were, who they were gonna be. And those were the only words that we spoke over them. So there was never a word that got to them that like contradicted what God had said. Because people are well-meaning, but you know, just a little weird sometimes. So the Lord, specifically with Shepherd, um, we had a girl name and a boy name, but um, there was a few stories, I'm not gonna tell all of them for time's sake, but one of them was we were really struggling um, with just fear of finances and God had asked us to take some steps of financial faith and I came into the living room one morning and Aaron was on the carpet and Rosie was next to him like this on the carpet. I'm like, yes, girl, get it. And um, she had his hand on his back and he's like weeping. And I was like, oh man. So I just like joined them and Aaron got up after like a few minutes and he said, and we felt like the Lord had said it was a boy but this was really confirming. He said, I feel like God said we're gonna have a boy and that we're to name him Shepherd, and that every time we look at him, we're gonna know that he's our provider and that he's our good shepherd. And we're just bawling and Rosie's looking at us like we're crazy. And I was probably like 35 weeks pregnant at that time and he was born a few weeks later. Shepherd King, our little sign of provision. So a little story in that is that we had a $2,000 sprinkler bill, yeah that like we just didn't know how we were gonna pay. Our sprinklers kept breaking. It, breaking? Breaking. It was like when God spoke about shepherd being our sign of provision, all hell broke loose. I mean, I'm sure it's been a lot worse for other people, but in our life financially, it was like, what just happened? So when God speaks a word over your life, if you're experiencing something contradictory, It's a sign that he spoke over your life and it's not for you to get fearful or scared or shrink back, it's for you to fight with the word that he spoke. Okay, so literally we had Shepard at home and the day he was born, 
Like he was born at 8.45 and by 9 a.m. the dogs were barking like crazy. And we're like trying to get settled in our bed, like snuggling him and And Aaron's like, what the heck? So he goes to the front door and the sprinkler guy's here wanting our money. And we're like, oh my gosh, how's this gonna get paid? Well, literally that same day, someone reached out to us and gave us $2,000 to pay for our sprinklers. So the day Shepherd was born, provision came. Not till the day he was born, October 3rd, provision came. And about three weeks ago, I worked at a um, nonprofit for three years and I worked from home. I'm so thankful I got to be home with Rosie and now home with Shepherd. But three weeks after Shepherd was born, I got laid off. <laughs> uh, yeah, good times. So what am I doing now? I'm fighting. Aaron and I are fighting with the words that God has been speaking because in August, we were in Ireland, shout out, and I got up one morning, the Lord woke me up, and he started speaking so clearly to me in August that by January 2023, I would no longer be at New Horizons. And he said some other things that we're still believing in faith that really don't look like they're gonna happen right now, but we know they are because he said it. So when it looks like it's not gonna happen, when it looks like the numbers aren't gonna add up, when I want to talk to people about how wrong it is to lay someone off before the holidays, I start praying in tongues because that would be me contradicting what he said. And I've caught myself doing it. Be careful who you talk to. I've caught myself doing it. Lord, help me, forgive me. So we're believing in faith, the words that he's spoken about provision And every time we look at Shepherd, he's our sign. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's other, other stories about the way God's led me with his voice that if you wanna know, you can come ask me. But I'm gonna give you practical steps of how to develop a prophetic history with God. Are you guys ready? Get your notes app out. We have these up on the screen. The first one is ask. Ask him for it. And um, there's lots of scriptures that say ask, but Luke 11:13, what good father if his son asks for bread would give him a stone? How much more will your heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts give you the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is who you need for a prophetic history with God. He's the voice. He's the one who's here. He's the one who's been hovering over the waters from the beginning and he's still hovering over you when you wake up in the morning with your coffee and your journal. It's him. James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, and I will give it. That's a paraphrase, go read it. Matthew 7.7, 7, knock, or uh, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open. Ask him for it, that's so simple. Number two, surround yourself in prophetic environments with prophetic people. That's, that's what I did, that's what I still do when I, when I need encouragement. I mean, if. I guess we all probably go to upper room, most of us in this room, so that's a great place. But if you're struggling with the words that God's spoken over your life or you don't have any, go to a place that does. Go to a place that lifts him up. Go to a place that worships him and then expresses his heart to other people. And then ask that those people and those environments would be sent your way and I promise you he's gonna do it. Um, a scripture for that is in Hebrews three, it says, exhort one another while today is still today. Find a place and a people that will exhort you in the words of God. Number three, take a risk. I mean, I, I think I called out a name tonight and they weren't here. That's okay. Sean Bowles came one time a few years ago and got every single word wrong. And I'm not like, not wrong, but no one, no one was here to receive the words. Like, it's a mystery the way God speaks, guys. And we're gonna get it right, and we're gonna get it wrong. And it just reminds us that it's not us, it's him. So take a risk. Whatever that looks like for you, take a risk. Number four, write it down. Write down what the words you get from other people. Write down what you hear from God in your quiet time. Write down your dreams. I'm like, my mama's heart right now is like getting out the spanking rod. Write down your dreams because if you don't, you will stop dreaming. And I'm not threatening you, it's in the Bible. It's Habakkuk 2.2. Write the vision down plain on tablets. Tablets, is that what it says, Titus? 
Is it tablets? Yeah. So that you may run. It says, so the one who has it may run. You're not gonna be able to run if you don't write it down. Ooh, I'll say that again. You're not gonna be able to run if you don't write it down. Number five, I'm almost done, Sheppy. Let God put the puzzle pieces together. He's gonna do it. It's like, have you ever had a dream and you're driving in your car and all of a sudden these little puzzle pieces of the dream just start dropping into your spirit? He loves to put puzzle pieces together. Like when you were a kid and you have this puzzle and your, your mom's like, it's puzzle time, no more shells. And that's me now, that's my voice to my daughter. And you're sitting there and you're like, I don't wanna do a puzzle, I don't know how this goes together. And then you see a piece and you're like, wait a second, maybe this goes with the, no, okay. Maybe this goes with the, yeah, that's it. It's like that, but he's doing it. He's leading you, he's the one speaking, he's the one helping you put the puzzle together. You're not doing it alone. So if you feel pressure or you feel like you don't know how to do it, let him do it, and he will. Think of your life as a puzzle. Think of your prophetic storyline with God as a puzzle that he gets to put together with you like friends. That's what he wants. Let him put the puzzle pieces together. So ask for it. Number two, surround yourself in prophetic environments with prophetic people. Take a risk, write it down, and then let him put the puzzle pieces together. And you'll look back weeks, months, a few years, several years, decades down the road, and you'll have a well, <laughs> a well of history of his voice to pull from. 